Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the last six weeks, we as a, as a church have been working our way through the book of Psalms, and I've been encouraging you to open up that book of Psalms on a daily basis and, and to, to try to read through all those Psalms. Now, today we're at the end of that sermon series, and I'm not saying stop reading the Psalms. That's good Christian practice. So hopefully you've gotten into the habit of opening up the scriptures and, and reading on a daily basis. Uh, but today we are in the, the final installment. We are wrapping this up where the Psalms wrap up, and that's with Psalm 150, which is the final Psalm. Some of you were here last week. Some of you were not. But if you were here uh, we looked at Psalm 118 and focused in on uh, this one verse. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I, uh, I forced you, I, or I guess I could say I, I gently invited you to join me in a, in a raucous uh, a cappella singing back and forth of a Sunday school favorite song of mine. And now, now that I know that you are fully capable of doing such a thing, there is another song that we used to sing when I was a little kid. And I'm not, we're not even going to, this was another stand-up, sit-down, uh, sing as fast and loud as you can. But we can't not do this today because the words for this song are right out of Psalm 150. It just is the words, and so I can't not do it, okay? So the, the song, I think, is called Hallelujah. I don't know what else it would be called. Um, normally, it's a back-and-forth kind of song. Some of you know this. We're just going to do it all together, all together. All right, this, so the words are on the screen. If you know it, uh, you're invited to sing with me loud and proud. Here we go. You don't have to stand, Gene, you don't have to stand up this time, okay? All right, here we go. Hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. Either some of you know that or you're faking it, but that was, that was pretty good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's one of those church words, isn't it? That we say a lot, but do you know what it means? <laughs> I, think, I think we say it a lot, but I don't know if, if anybody really knows what, what, that, what that word means. And so I like words, and I like to know that people know the words that we say in the church. And so let me teach you a little bit about this word, because I've, I've heard even non-Christian people say this word in a sigh of gratitude after something goes good. Oh, hallelujah, right? Yeah, I would just say you might want to let your, your friends know that when they're doing that, they're actually uh, worshiping the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth when they say that. Because this word in the Hebrew language literally means praise Yahweh or praise the Lord. So uh, we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. In your Old Testament Bible, if the word Lord is in all capital letters, not if it's in smaller, if it's in all capital. The Hebrew word is there, and the word is Yahweh, and that's the proper name of this God who uh, is the creator, all right? So in the Hebrew language, hallelujah is actually two words. It's hallelu, which means praise, and yah, which is a shortened version of Yahweh. So literally, praise the Lord, praise Yahweh, praise the creator. So when we just, when Miriam just read, uh, in Psalm 150, uh, praise the Lord with 
with your voice, or praise the Lord with uh, lutes, praise the Lord with lyres, praise the Lord. That was always, literally in Hebrew, it's the word hallelujah with lyres, hallelujah with harps, okay? So if that's what hallelujah means, it's possible that you're wondering, then what does hallelujah mean? Yeah? You ever wonder? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So Here's what Alleluia, and so some of you, if you want to just zone out, you can zone out. This is just trivia to make you smarter, all right? So Alleluia literally means praise the Lord, <laughs> all right? It's a, in the earliest days of Christianity, Alleluia is more of a transliteration from the Greek language. So in the earliest days of Christianity, they translated the Old Testament, which is in Hebrew, into Greek. And when you go into Greek, there's no H sound, really. And so, Alleluia, the second one, is more like the spelling from the Greek, but they're really saying a Hebrew word. So, in the English language, you've got options. You can do whatever you want. I don't really care, all right? But if you want to be pure in Hebrew, you put the H on it. There you go. All right. Hallelujah, right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And Psalm 150 calls us to praise the Lord with music, with singing, with instruments, right? Have you ever wondered, though, why is there so much singing in church? Why is there so much, why, why sing? Why do we do this? Like, why don't we just sit around and talk or do something? Like, why do we, why do we sing? I don't, I don't, I don't like to sing. Why is all the singing happening in church? Right. Maybe you've wondered that before. If you look at the Psalms over the course of uh, these last six weeks as we have as a church, maybe you've seen this progression of, of praise throughout the Psalms. And there have been consistent calls for the people of God to, to, to worship and to, to praise God with, with song, with, with the voice, with, with dancing, with music. The, the Psalms are very clear that we are to utilize this, this music thing as we bring our thanksgivings to the God who created us and saved us. Uh, as you arrived today in your bulletin, um, there is an insert in there. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it right now, but now I did a bad teaching thing and I drew your attention to it, and so you're going to look at that and zone out, but that's okay. Uh, on that insert, you can, you can look at and see um, all the various instruments that were utilized by the people of God in the Old Testament, in particular as they worshiped God in the temple, all sorts of different instrumentation. Uh, and, and so that's just there so that you understand that, that music is a huge part of what God's people have always done in their praise of him. And the most common and most easily utilized instrument known to man is the human voice. It's, it's there for everybody. And so people of every tribe and every tongue uh, throughout the world use their voice in, in singing, right? In singing. And so it is that in this gift of music, in this gift of music, music does something to us that it, it, it has the potential for evoking beauty and feelings and kind of casting vision and images uh, even beyond the realm of, of imagination. Music does something. It moves within us. Music gives us this potential to communicate with one another even beyond what simple words can, uh, can, can describe. And if that's the case, music then gives us the ability to communicate with our creator in ways that, and beyond what simple words can allow us to do. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, but I, I, wonder, I wonder if I did, you know, if I, if I said, how many of you like music? Or better, it would probably be a smaller number if I said, how many of you don't like music? But 
you know, I've never met anybody personally who all out does not like music. I've met people who say, oh, I can't sing, right? I don't have a good voice, I can't play an instrument. But I've never met anybody who, who doesn't like even to, to listen to music or to have music move them, right? Uh, now, what is it about, that, about people and music? I don't know if you ever had those experiences where, where music just brings you to a place, you know, I don't know, beyond, beyond the realm of, of the reality in which you are. Uh, music does something. It moves within us. It, it's as if, which I believe, it's as if God created us to have this gift of music in order to connect with him and with one another in powerful ways. Music touches us in an, at an emotional level. Music even binds itself to our memories. Music lies deep inside of every one of us, and I believe this is a God-given gift. Martin Luther, uh, the reformer, he, he loved music. Uh, Martin Luther wrote many hymns and, and composed music himself. He loved music. Uh, and, and he's got a lot of different quotes about music, but I want to share one with you, and this is what he says. Next to the Word of God, next to the Word of God, he's not going to put anything above the Word of God, next to the Word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. I, I don't disagree. I love music myself. I think a lot of you know that. I love to, to make music, but I think even for people who don't make music themselves, music, music does this thing that was within us. I don't know. Have you ever had the, that... that uh, had it happened to you where you hear a tune of a song that you haven't heard maybe since childhood or your teenage years, that song plays and all of a sudden you're just, you're singing along with it and you know all the words, right? How would, would you have been able to think up the title of that song and then have all those words come about? No, you're the, you know, it's amazing where that music lies deep within you. Or maybe you've had it where somebody's in a conversation with you and they say a line and they're not even, a, they're not talking about a song, but that, that line makes you think of a song and then you just start belting out a song with that line in it. No, that's just me. I don't, you do that? You, some of you do? Okay, all right. So music, you know, does this thing. It, it, it lies deep within us, in, in, in our inner beings. And this is not just me saying this. There's actually, um, there's a lot of research and science that's being done uh, to back this up as well. Um, I want to I share a, a video clip with you, a news story out of Wisconsin from a couple of years ago. Uh, there's a lot of research being done uh, by a, a national organization called Music and Memory, uh, where they are giving um, uh, personalized playlists on iPods to people with dementia and Alzheimer's uh, in order to awaken them uh, back up and hopefully decrease the amount of uh, prescription medications. So take a look at this uh, quick news story. Music has always been a part of Mike Knudsen's life. Now suffering from dementia, it's helping him live that life. We feel as though we have been blessed with this whole new experience with Dad. Um, we are able to connect in a completely different way, in a very genuine way. Knudsen is taking part in a study through the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. This is a study that, you know, um, to look at the effects of music listening on a number of the quality of life indicators for the people with the dementia in nursing homes. The popularity of the Music and Memory program, which brings music to dementia and Alzheimer's patients nationwide, has prompted the first big study to provide hard data. 200 Wisconsin nursing homes will be part of the study by next year. 
Researchers put together a personalized playlist on iPods for each person. We've seen members who don't talk very much start to sing. Mike, mm -hmm. I'm going to put your music on, okay? Yeah. 96-year-old Knutson was sleepy, but when he heard that big band music, he perked up. You may see the immediate effects shown on the residents, but we don't really know if it has actually longer-term effects. Researchers want to know how music affects mood and behavior, and whether one day those comforting sounds might be able to reduce prescription drugs. For Knutson's family, the program has struck a chord. The music really does something to wake him up and help him to be more engaged with what's going on around him. It helps connect him to the outside world. <laughs> Carrie Andelfinger, Associated Press. If that's the case, if music has this potential to, 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 to bring something out of us that, that's deep down in us, what do you think happens to us when we sing praises to God on, on this weekly basis? Why, you know, why do we, I said, why do we gather together and, and sing? Right? Why, do we, why do we sing? Why do we make music to God? Uh, because it, it writes memories deep within us that, that hold us firm. And I would maybe even go so far as to say they, they shape us into being the kind of people that God has created us to be. And I've witnessed personally things like this. As I've held the hands of people who uh, are near death and they seem to be unresponsive, as we sing hymns or songs that they, that they knew or sang in childhood or, or in their adult life, I have watched people's eyes flicker or lips even move, toes tap. It, it happens. It, it does. This, this gift of music and the, the words, I believe, even more so in the music that is sung in praise to our great God is written deep within us and shapes us to be like the people that he's created us to be. It's clear from the scriptures that, that our creator is to be praised through, through music. And now in Psalm 150, there is this main emphasis on music. And, and this final psalm is simply reiterating the fact and the, the emphasis on music throughout the book of Psalms. It is no accidental custom that we sing praises to God. The, the very poetry that the psalms are written in have been set to music in, in many, many languages, in many, many places throughout many different ages. The psalms just want to be sung. Now, Psalm 150, I said, is the final psalm, right? It's the final psalm, and it's no accident that it's the final psalm. Some scholars believe that it was written to be the final psalm, to writ written to be this final piece. It's no accident that it's there, just as it's no accident that Psalm 1 was placed at the very beginning. Six weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 1. I don't know, those of you who have been with us, I don't know if you can remember back six weeks. I hardly can. Uh, but six weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 showed us what it looks like to be a faithful person. Let me show you how the Psalms begin. It begins with these words. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And we emphasized on that day that the Psalms begin by setting up the dynamic 
uh, between who God is and who we are. So it, it defines who we are and whose we are. Who we are and whose we are. And the Psalms at the beginning say, if you get this right, this is what life will look like. This is what life will look like. Now, from our Christian perspective, we know that this means that we, who are we? We are broken, sinful, destitute, dead people. And God is rich in his mercy. He is our creator who never left us nor abandoned us, yet came intimately in the person of Jesus to purchase us, to win us, to die for us, and to rise for us. You are a dearly beloved child of God, not by anything you can do, but because of everything he has done for you. I am incapable of living up to these words, and so are you, but God is rich in his mercy for us. This is how the Psalms begin. It calls us into understanding this dynamic. And the Psalms then end with these words of saying, okay, if you understand that, if you understand that God is your creator, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that eternal life is yours, here's what's going to happen to you. You will worship you will praise. You will say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Those words will come from you in song. And that is why the psalm ends with these words, let everything, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath, hallelujah, hallelujah. When you realize who you are, a sinner who is saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, you have no other option but to sing praise. And we have no other option but to live lives in gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done for us. This is why in the other readings for today, in the epistle lesson from Colossians, this is why the Apostle Paul encourages us to do what? Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is why in the gospel lesson for today, the angels on that Christmas morning cried out in singing praise to God. This is why Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, sang songs, psalms actually, with his disciples. This is why we sing. It, it, we don't sing praises because it's just a custom. We don't sing because God even mandated it to us. We do it because it's in our nature. It's who he's created us to be. Dear beloved people of God, because Christ loves you and he laid down his life for you, we have no other option but to worship him and to praise him. Full of praise. Hearts full of praise. Minds full of praise. Lives full of praise. Souls filled with praise. Because our everything belongs to the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It has been my prayer for you church over the last six weeks that as we've been reading through these psalms that you found common voice with the people of old in learning how to cry out to god in praise and thanksgiving but also in the difficult times of life in those laments where you just feel frustrated and distraught in these times of thanksgiving and praise this is what we do people of god it's who god made you to be and who are you you are alive in Christ. You are alive in Christ. You were dead in sin and trespass, but God is rich in mercy has made you to be alive in Christ. That's who you are now and forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In his name. Amen. Amen.